So we are continuing on with our, our series of the harmony of the Gospels. And this month in March, we're looking at uh, Jesus and the supernatural. I just pray God would really stir something in your hearts this morning. As I was thinking about praying about this during the week, I got this, this thing of fear or faith. And we're going to look at a passage in Matthew. And uh, our next slide there is, is a picture of Jesus. Because Matthew 14, 13 to 21, it's talking about Jesus feeds the 5,000. And in this picture, it describes that he looks to heaven. And this morning, uh, I want to ask you, where's your focus this morning? Because it's so easy to focus on, on problems and issues and situations that are happening in your own life. And we all go through that. I think if, if, we, if we get saved and think that that means we're going to live happily ever after and we'll never have another care or another problem in our world, then we're deceived because that's not what the Bible says. So whenever you go through something, where is your focus is it down here on all the problems that you're amongst and in and battling through? Or is it looking up just as Jesus did? So turn with me to Matthew 14. I'm going to read from verse 13 to 21. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and and saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that we can go to the villages and buy them some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them to me, he said, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave to them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. And the number of those who ate were about 5,000 men beside women and children. I've highlighted some things in red there that I want to just point out. The first one is in verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, so what had happened? If you go back and read previously what, what it was going on, John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. John the Baptist had just died. But he didn't just die, he had his head cut off. And the news comes to Jesus and just as Jesus is withdrawing to go to a solitary place, I don't know about you, but if I just had news that, that one of the closest people in my life had died, the last thing I would want to do would be out in the public place and ministering and moving in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the supernatural. So this is the news that Jesus had just got. He was withdrawing to a solitary place. He was probably going to pray and try and work through and all the emotion that he was feeling. But as soon as he got there, the crowd turned up and he didn't withdrew. He stayed with the people. 
and he ministered and he had compassion and he healed all their sick. Wow. We can look at that and just think, oh, when Jesus heard what had happened, well, what had happened? I don't know. He just went and did what he normally did. Think about the situations that you go through. When you get bad news or when emotionally you're just not in that space, what do you do? Well, Jesus saw the need and he moved in the power of the Holy Spirit and he met the need. What do we do? Sorry, I can't pray for you. I can't help you. I'm just going through too much stuff of my own. Once again, we all go through things. I understand that. But I think there's a real lesson here from Jesus about, well, where's your focus? And Jesus' focus was always towards his father, despite how he was feeling. And this is a, this is a tough situation. Despite what he was going through and how he was feeling, he had compassion for the crowd. And he moved around and he healed their sick. It wasn't just, I'm feeling sorry for you. I hope it gets better. He healed their sick and he moved in the power of the Holy Spirit. The way he felt and what he was going through did not stop him from ministering. Down in verse 16, you give them something to eat. So often we get into a situation and we don't know what to do and we need God to show up and turn up and, and so we look to him to intervene and do something. And here he's saying... You give them something to eat. He's putting the focus back on them. What are you going to do about this? See, God can supernaturally do what we can't do. But there's times when we've got to get off our backside and do something. What are you going to do? You give them something to eat. We need to understand that we are Jesus' hands and his feet on this planet Earth. If we sit back and wait for him to do everything supernaturally, it, it's actually it's a partnership, you know. He wants us to move. He wants us to be his hands and his feet. He wants his power to flow through us. And he's saying to them, you give them something to eat. I think this is a lesson there for the disciples that it's not just sit back, watch what Jesus does. It's like, hang on, what are we going to do to partake in this? So if you're here today and, and you think, God, you've got to show up. You've got to intervene in my circumstance, in my situation. You've got to do it. You, 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 you. Well, he's probably saying, well, what are you going to do? Come on, let's do this together. Down in verse 19, looking to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. You know, when he looked to heaven, he looked to his father. And he just prayed for something supernatural to happen. And you know what happened next? He made something out of nothing. When Lauren was speaking before about when there's no hope, when it seems like everything's dead and gone. See, he can make something out of nothing. See, the real miracle about this was he had, he had basically nothing. He had this tiny little meal. And he fed... 5,000 men plus women and children. There could have, there could have possibly been 20,000 people there. And he's got this, we would look at it and say, that's nothing. And yet he looked to heaven 
and began to break and gave it to the disciples and it just kept coming, just kept flowing, just like the oil in the, in the widow's jars. It just kept coming and coming and coming until everyone was fed. He basically made something out of nothing. And that's what he can do. Something out of nothing. So Jesus feeds the 5,000. Wow. When, when you read that sort of stuff, what does it stir within you? What does it make you feel? Is it just a good story? Or is it the possibility that this same Jesus who had looked to heaven for intimate relationship with his Father and moved in the power of the Holy Spirit, you see, all those things are available to us today. So do we look at this and just say, oh, that was Jesus? That was a nice story? Or does it actually stir something within you to say, perhaps if I'm in that relationship with my God, that I can actually call on his power and turn hopeless situations into situations where God turns up? Does that stir something within you? I hope it does. The next picture we've got here as we continue on is Jesus then withdraws. And, and goes up to pray and, and the disciples go out on the boat. That's the picture. That's the scene. So turn with me now to verse 22. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. He went up to a mountainside by himself to pray. Now, if you've read through the, the Gospels, you would see that the routine of Jesus is he's out ministering amongst the crowd, preaching, healing, having compassion, meeting people's needs, doing miracles. And then he would withdraw and often go up to a mountainside by himself and pray. So what's the pattern of our lives? We're all busy. We have work and family and all these commitments. And we're out amongst people all the time. And we've all got opportunities to be ministering in whatever situation we do. We're all, we're all full-time ministers, whether you're paid staff at a church or, or wherever you are, whatever you're doing. So we all have those opportunities to be out with the people and ministering. But Jesus showed us an incredible example because 
if you don't withdraw and pray and have intimacy, then you're not being filled up. You're not being full. So when you go out again, you're running on empty. And that's what Jesus did. That was the routine. In verse 25, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. So why did he do that? The last miracle, supernatural event, he made basically something out of nothing and fed 20,000 people because there was a need. He had compassion for them. He met a need. You can see why he did that. But, but why would he come and just walk on water? I've tried it. It doesn't work. <laughs> why would he do that? I think he wanted to show his disciples that with God, nothing is impossible. I think he just wanted to stir their faith. He wanted to show them that he could override the laws of nature. When everyone else would sink, he didn't sink. In verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. You see, when the supernatural happens, it creates faith. Or it creates fear. This supernatural event had just happened. Jesus is walking on the water. He's overrided all the laws of nature. And Peter gets excited about this. He wants to step out of the boat and on a word from Jesus come to him where all the other disciples were probably, they thought it was a ghost. They were scared. They were sitting back in the boat. I think when the supernatural starts to get stirred up, there's two reactions. There's either faith or there's fear. Going back into the 90s, who was alive in the 90s? Yeah, what a decade that was. <laughs> there was a real move of God happening. And what was happening was it was creating faith or fear. There was a group of people that were seeing what God was doing and, and God was moving and people were getting slayed in the spirit and all these supernatural things happening. And it created faith in one group of people and fear in another and people were opposing it saying it's not of God it's of the devil and they they, they'd spend their whole time just opposing it instead of being open to it and and the other people were getting that was creating faith in them they were getting stirred up what is God doing here this is amazing anyway there was a, a situation that happened at a state conference and Back in the old days, the state conference used to get moved around all different towns. So it just so happens in that period, the state conference was here in Shepparton. And Ken Gott was a guy that was moving in this sort of stuff. He was from England. So he comes out and was held at the, uh, the council building at East Bank before it was East Bank. So we're all in there one night and Ken Gott starts preaching. Just about, you know, the move of God and the things that are happening. And I think everyone in there that night was being stirred up by faith. There wasn't any fear. So we get in there. And it was like, there was just this atmosphere of anything could happen. You ever been in that sort of meeting where there's an atmosphere of anything can happen? And faith is rising? Now... The four of us are in that meeting that night. I don't know if you guys remember that. And we're fairly similar to Ron and Susan in the fact that we just want people to have an incredible, real encounter with God. 
We don't want it to be hyped up. We don't want it to be emotional or fleshly. We just want people to have an encounter with God. So often you go to conferences and, you know, people would get prayed for and wiped out and everyone's on the floor and you're just standing there thinking, oh, that's nice. (laughs) Anyway, we're in this meeting that night and I, I was... That's the way I felt, you know. God, I want to have an encounter with you, but I want it to be real. I don't want to put anything on. If you supernaturally want to do something in this place, and I believe he does, because he wants, sometimes he just wants to show people what he can do and cause faith to rise in them. Anyway, we're, we're in a group. And Susan begins to pray. And she went like this as she prayed. And her fingernail touched my lip. Next thing I knew, I'm on the floor for I don't know how long and and this incredible sense of God and peace and supernatural thing was happening in me and that wasn't the script. That wasn't the way it was supposed to happen. See, how many knows when, when you put God in a box and you limit him and you think that this is how it's going to happen or this is how my life is going to turn out and it doesn't turn out that way, Often you can get disappointed or you think, God, what are you doing? You know, and we try and constrain God. In, and, and anyway, I get laid out in the presence of God from a fingernail from our senior pastors. And then later on, I looked up and Ron was on the stage that night. I don't know how you got up there, Ron. Did they pray for you on the stage? Anyway, Ron's on the stage. His hair was everywhere. <laughs> His shirt was hanging out, his clothes were everywhere, and he could only move backwards. (laughs) That's all he could do. He couldn't move forward. He could only move backwards. And God really spoke to us that night. God was moving in that place. He was doing all these supernatural things because he really did a job on two guys that didn't want to just, you know, we don't want any of this flesh stuff. And God did something supernatural within us. And the thing is, with supernatural move of God, it can create faith or it can create fear. It can create a stirring of God. You can do anything. We don't want to put you in a box. Or it can create fear and opposition. And you know, why would God do that and analyze everything? Peter just jumped out of the boat, but he had a word from the Lord. He didn't act recklessly. Whereas all the other guys were probably sitting back in the boat, scared to death. And when they saw Peter walking on the water, they probably thought, oh, I wish that was me, you know. They wanted to jump on the bandwagon. But as soon as he took his eyes off Jesus and back onto the circumstances, everything changed. And that can be our human nature, is we tend to lean towards fear and doubt But Jesus can turn fear and doubt into faith and believing. Amen. And that whole story ends up with the disciples worshipping him, saying, you truly are the son of God. We've seen you move in power and supernatural acts. And it stirred something within them. And over those three years that they spent with Jesus, things were being stirred within them. So when the time came for him to go... And for them to do it, they were ready. 
This next slide, I want to talk to you about your mind for a moment. So your mind is a powerful thing. It's an amazing force. This consists of your thoughts, and the thoughts that pass through your mind are responsible for what happens in your life. Your predominant thoughts influence your beliefs, your convictions, your behaviour, your attitude, and they control your actions and reactions. Scientists tell us that we actually only use about 10% of our brain. And I've seen a lot of people, when they are really, really pressed for something, that they can actually do something that they never thought was possible. Whether it's a physical thing, whether it's an emotional thing, when they're placed in situations, they can actually do something with their mind that they never, ever thought that they could do. So I want to ask you a question. What are you feeding on and allowing into your mind? The thoughts that pass through your mind come out in your actions. And they influence what you believe in your convictions and your behaviour and your attitudes. So whatever you're focusing on, if you're focusing on circumstance, if you're focusing on fear, if you're focusing on no hope, if you're focusing on I can't see a way out of this, if that's what you're focusing on, if that's what you're thinking on, that's going to come out in your convictions, your beliefs and your attitudes and your behaviour. That's the reality. Because it's like you're training your mind to focus on that and then everything else flows out of that. But you think about the opposite for a minute. If you're thinking on, well, this is what the facts say, but my focus is on, but what does the word say? And if the word is contrary to the facts of the situation, then what are you going to believe? And I choose to believe this. This talks about taking every thought captive. This talks about, you know, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Okay, And when you begin to change the way you think, not out of your own human strength, but a decision that is based on, I believe what this says. I'm going to focus on this. My thoughts are going to be on this. Then, then that will affect your belief, your convictions, your attitude, your behaviour, which will affect your, your actions and your reactions. Understand? So this is why it's so powerful that we do have a mind and God wants us to use it and we have a human will and we can do so much with that. But what you feed and focus on will determine the way that your thoughts go. So I want to leave you with three scriptures to ponder and then the band's going to come back. And then I want us to have an incredible time of just worshipping God and allowing faith to rise in this place for the supernatural power of God to do some amazing things in people's lives. The first one is Romans 12, chapter 1 and 2. A you know, powerful scripture that you probably would all know. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. You see, 
you're not supposed to be the same as the world. You're the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. You're supposed to be different. And you're not supposed to be different in your own strength. You make a decision that you're different because you follow him and it's in his strength that you walk in. So you don't conform to the pattern of this world. You don't conform to, well, everybody's doing it. Well, if everyone's doing it, that doesn't make it right. You don't conform to that. And there's times when you've got to stand up and be the called out one and be different and go against the grain. And that may cause you um, pain. That may cause you persecution. That may cause you to stand out and be ridiculed. That may cause you all those things. But don't conform to that pattern. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're laying your body down as a living sacrifice. And the result of that will be what's in red. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. If you're not putting those other things in place, how are you going to really understand what God's will is for you if you haven't completed A, B and C? Galatians 5.22 is talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, once again, have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. If you make a decision to follow Jesus, then there's a taking up your cross, crucifying the flesh. It's crucifying your desires, your passions, what you want to do, because often that is fleshly and worldly. And when you come into line with what he wants to do for your life, the result of that is the fruit of the spirit that is placed within you, like any natural fruit will grow and develop over time. It's not just bang, I've got patience one day. He'll put you in situations where there's opportunities for that to grow and develop in your life. And the result of that is since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. So the Holy Spirit is there to lead you and to guide you in all truth. And this is an ongoing process in our everyday lives. So don't conform to the pattern of this world. Renew your mind, renew your thinking so you can understand God's will and he's giving you the Holy Spirit to grow in these things. And I love this. I want to, if the band could actually come back up, that would be great. In Daniel 3.16 to 18, you've got Shadrach, Meshach and the guy from Bendigo. And they're having this conversation with King Nebuchadnezzar. And the king has made this idol and they've got to bow down or they're going to die. And this is their response. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he doesn't, We want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Wow. How's that? King, you need to know that the God we serve can deliver us. In fact, he will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're not bowing down. You just imagine you're in that situation 
we all face with, if God doesn't come through for you, you are about to die for your faith. You're about to be martyred because of what you believe. You don't have belief and conviction like that unless you have an intimate relationship with your Heavenly Father. Because as soon as the pressure comes on, there's this natural thing within us to want to be comfortable and avoid pain. I want to encourage you today that if you think by coming to Jesus, you're just going to live happily ever after, you've got it wrong. There will be trials. There will be persecution. People are are martyred for their faith. And yet they're willing to die for that because that, that is more important that they would not bow down than losing their lives. Wow, what a place to get to. And I think a lot of the Christian world today needs to get to that place. Rather than just fleeing every, every time there's something tough that comes up in their life. We will not bow down. You know what? Often when you're placed in a situation where, God, we don't know what's going to happen. That's the time God moves supernaturally. When we're all comfortable, when we're all cruisy, often we lack that hunger and that desire for God to move, to seek Him, to see Him move supernaturally and powerfully in our lives. So this morning, I want to encourage us that we serve a God who is a supernatural God. Don't just read the stories and think that's nice. But let's see it here in our lifetime. Let's see it here in our life. Let's see it here in our church, in our own circumstances. So what I want us to do in just a moment is is we're just going to stand and and these guys are going to lead us. Mrs. Moore and Mr. Black are going to lead us. And let's just begin to cry out for our God to move supernaturally. There's a lot going on in the world at the moment. There's probably a lot going on in your own personal lives as well. If you need healing today, begin to reach out and cry that God would supernaturally come and do something within your body. If you're facing a situation and you feel like there's no hope, begin to cry out today that a supernatural God would come and He would give hope and He would give direction and He would change your circumstances. Whatever it is, if your heart is far from Him, if there's unforgiveness, if there's something in there that is not right that you need to yield to Him. So let's not just come to church and say that was a nice message or talk and go home. But we come to meet together to worship a supernatural God and we pray that something supernatural now is going to happen in us so that when we go out this week we are the light we are the change Amen so let's all stand and begin to worship and let's cry out with a real hunger to our Lord this morning